that we lost Michael Jackson and um, we will be listening to Michael Jackson's through Jackson songs throughout uh, the episode. What's up? Um, Darren, you good? I'm good. You sure? Yeah, absolutely. What'd you do this weekend? Nothing. Exactly the way I wanted it. Isn't it great <laughs> when you get a chance to do nothing for yep. the weekend? Just exactly the way I wanted it. Man, um, I, I worked this whole weekend, so I'm looking forward to one of those weekends. It won't be the next weekend or the weekend after that, but hopefully, like, the weekend after that, I'll get some rest. <laughs> I got to schedule, like, my rest now because I'm always gone. Um, today, um, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things that are trending. We're going to talk about what's going on in the news, and then we're just going to have a conversation about the theme of today is has civility gone out of the window? And I'm not just talking about politics. I'm talking about human beings um, at the mall, at the grocery store, <laughs> you know, in your apartment building. Are we not being civil with one another anymore? Is it is, is the Internet desensitizing us to the point where we don't know how to treat other human beings? So if you want to chime in, Darren, tell them what number to call. It's 310 310-980-6610. 310-980-6610. So call in. We want to hear what you have to say. We're excited to hear from you. But right now, we have um, our two comedians in the studio for the first hour. We're going to talk about uh, celebrity, which is uh, what's going on with our celebrities. And then we're going to hit a little news. Atsuko. Hi, Ida. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about you, and they were like, Do you, have you ever seen Atsuko perform? Oh, oh And I was goodness. like, uh, have you? <laughs> she tells you her name. <laughs> oh, Astuki. I've gotten a lot of oh, different I'm, names. Somebody yeah. called me Adia today at an audition, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you put the D before the I. Cool. Oh All right. Dyslexia. Uh, Samson. <laughs> what up? Samson is in the house. That's right. What? What up, Facebook Live? Is that Facebook Live? No, it's Instagram. Oh, Insta. okay, my bad. Insta. Insta. Let me go live. Can I go live? Of course you can. Okay, oh, we'll all go Darren, live. Darren, we Dino, all in the house. go Hi, live. So hey, um, I want you to join us. Make sure you download the Dash Radio app. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm talking to you, Instagram, because the people listening are already there. And make sure that you uh, call in. You can tune in and chime in. We'd love to have a conversation with you, but we will not fight with you. Thank you, uh, Instagram. We'll be back shortly. I don't know. I could fight with someone. All right. So now we're going to go back. We're going to 
we're going to honor the people who are listening. Oh, yes. I'm so glad you guys joined me today. Uh, there's so much to talk about, and yet we end up talking about the same stuff over and over again, no matter where you go. Every radio list show that I've been listening to, people are like, oh, today we're going to talk about pineapples are being are in this season. They're really good. <laughs> we got some good a good crop of pineapples, and by the end of the conversation, they're talking about how they hate Donald Trump. <laughs> of course. <laughs> So I was like, uh, I actually want to stick to the script and have a conversation without mentioning his name today because I feel like it just it's a downer. Yep. And mm -hmm. um, there's so many other things to talk about. But with today's topic is it has civility gone out the window and uh, you can call us and tell us what you think. We're going to talk about our first story. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked to leave the Red Hen. Mm -hmm. right? yep. And um it happened, uh, the, the other woman, the, uh, the her name escapes me. Nielsen, the, Kirsten. Yeah, mm. was kicked out With also. With a J. Oh, oh that's yeah. right, yeah, from yeah, the Mexican yeah. restaurant. Mm -hmm. they, the, they, I, how do they go to a Mexican restaurant shame. anymore? I mean, come on now. I like, love they that should, they did the they shame. They should only go yeah. to restaurants that were featured on a Guy Fieri show or something. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just white trash establishments, that's it. <laughs> well, they didn't. And uh, they saw the door. And so Maxine Waters made a statement that this is what's going to happen. If you go around talking about people who are in marginalized groups and disregarding them from a seat, at, not excluding them from a seat at the table, mm -hmm. people are going to start responding because people are tired. So I want to know what you guys think about that. Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I figured out what the difference is. People are complaining that they are being bigots re refusing service to Sarah uh, Sanders or Huckabee. But the difference is she is a vile human being. Okay. Because gay couples are not vile human beings because they are gay. Okay. So as a baker refuses a gay couple, mm -hmm. you can't compare the two. She's not letting in Sarah Huckabee because she's a vile human being. It's on a simple moral standard, you know what I mean? But these bakers are saying it's religious freedom. But like I said today, my religious freedoms of treat others how you want to be treated is being violated. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was going to use the Baker thing in their face <laughs> and be like, well, Supreme Court said that people can, you know, kick you out if they if it goes against their beliefs. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and she goes against my beliefs. She does not treat people how I would like to be treated or she, you know, it's. Yeah. She also broke the law because she is not supposed to use uh, yes. her Twitter account to talk about, you know, a, a business and use her public office to influence you know, business and and with this administration has been doing that. The president did that for sure. You know, with Nordstrom for his daughter, so that that's become you yeah. know part of the play for them. And now the restaurants got to deal with the Yelp. Yeah, I, I went on the Yelp and gave them a good review. Yeah, but it's so now it's like thousands that they have to weed through. I'm sure yeah. Yelp has maybe got it on lock. Yeah. Maybe they're like, okay, the one star reviews, but you know, yeah, it's it's a whole headache. <laughs> it's and I think too team. it's just brought on a ton of anxiety for just everyone you yeah. know what I mean like I think on a day-to-day -day basis all of us are worrying more so than we have like uh, within the last eight years you know and it's like I was even thinking about this a lot of 
people when Barack Obama was president, those 30% of people who voted for Trump, these racists in America, they were in hell because a black man had finally risen to take over the country. So, and then everything that Obama did, they cheer on Donald Trump to undo it, yes. to bring white supremacy back. Barack Obama broke in a sense. And, you know, people, uh, I'm not saying he was perfect. Every president has blood on their hands. But the fact, it, it's, it's really America and white Americans are terrified about losing white supremacy. Well, I just want to correct you about him bringing white supremacy back. It never went anywhere. Well, no, I don't mean, no, I don't mean he didn't, he didn't bring it back. Of course not. It's always been there. It's just he's, he's uh, put a, a, a face to it where now it's okay to come out and because you have somebody backing you. Nobody was backing the behavior, you know? Yeah, it's exhausting. It yeah. is. The it only is. thing it did was like, uh, you know, I was able to, yes, put more faces to white supremacists. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, I thought maybe maybe they were gone, like dead, possibly. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. Apparently, they were just living under rocks. Yeah. Because they came out and they looked, I mean, not perfectly healthy, but they, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. You're still, yeah, right. There's a population. Yeah, there's, it it's like a redneck. history yeah. books. Yeah. yeah. You know. No, yeah. it's, it's, uh. It's, it's really puzzling to me because even, you know, we've all, I'm sure, lost friends over it, you know? Like I say, I've, on Facebook, I have half probably white friends, half black friends, and so I'm, I'm seeing both timelines where I think a lot of people are only seeing a one-sided timeline, and I blame Facebook for it too. You know, they, they're fully aware of the trouble they're causing with us, you know, in a sense, and it's just... Uh, you know, I, I think about it, I don't I don't think I lost any friends. I'm very well aware of who's around me. But, really but see, that's, but then he that's the relative. difference of because being- Because he's white. That's because, that's relatives. the difference. Yeah, I'll hear different. black people say racist shit about white people and I'll hear white people say racist shit about, you know, or, you know, you hear it all, but that's that's what I've had to like come to and really realize awakening is like, wow, all these people, all these years, you know, yeah. the, the Jew jokes they were making about me, those actually were real. You know what I mean? Wow. Like there's- there was some truth to it. And I think that's what's been more painful, uh, especially within the last year or so, is it's yeah. like I could laugh off some of my in-laws before, you know, or, or not even in-laws, friends, college friends, and now I can't laugh it off anymore. You know, it's like a line is drawn. You know, what's funny. Somebody said to me the other day, they were like, um, you're, you, people are, all people are racist and black people and Latinos are very racist and all this stuff. And I was like, the difference that that for me that where I, where I go with it is like I don't know any Latin people that can keep white people from getting a job or getting a <laughs> right. place to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. so I'm like I I think we, we a lot of times we uh, confuse bigotry for racism, and I know mm. racism at the core means thinking that one race is superior to the other, but institutionalized racism, which black people don't have the power to, to enforce or anybody else of color. And I think it's so funny when I hear this argument, when people get into this argument about racism versus being civil or like to justify Roseanne's tweet with uh, Bill Maher calling Donald Trump making fun of his tan. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't, it's not the same thing, right. you know? And I think uh, we, we keep having these conversations where people want people, you know, these people want Sarah Huckabee Sanders to be treated with respect and to but be treated well. But she hasn't earned it. 
No, and it, but she goes on television mm-hmm. and lies on a daily basis. She mm-hmm. actually she puts people in danger. Yeah, there are there are people believing it. There are people who feel empowered, and actually puts people in. I mean, they are in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Families get families are getting separated, and there are people going, "Yeah, what she's saying is right." Yeah, right. you know what I mean. Better. That's dangerous. That, you know what I mean. You know, I was just thinking about. It. We were just in Mexico, and my daughter. I told her, I said, "Do not walk away from us," and, and not because I'm worried about kids getting kidnapped in Mexico. Like every, you know, Mexico is like ten times safer than Silver Lake. But it's <laughs> like, it. I she she was gone for about five minutes, and I just when she came back, I told her, I said, "You think I'm scary right now? You think I'm yelling at you? Imagine if I couldn't get you back. Right. Imagine if I wasn't there to to save you." And so what I don't understand is how anybody, as a parent, just doesn't put themselves into that position. Like, you know, I see so many people are like, "They shouldn't have come here then." Well, they would have died where they're coming from. I think about, you know, my great grandparents were Jewish, you know, uh, and, you know, Coley and I would have been killed, you and know, in the Holocaust. So to, to come here, if we had made it that far and then be denied and have people say, well, he shouldn't have come here is just, I don't, I don't understand the lack of empathy. It doesn't exist uh, or it does exist. I don't know where it's hiding. Pete, there was a general in El Salvador who rescued a lot of Jews mm-hmm. during the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, to hear people repeat that El Salvador is one of those shitty countries mm-hmm. was really, really hurtful to hear because mm-hmm. during a time when that country was going through what it was going through, it still found the, the strength and the space to look out for a group of people who were being persecuted and executed. And there there's an amnesia. There's mm-hmm. this amnesia yeah. in this country about everybody else except the people in the room. Cause that's mm-hmm. what I call racist white people. They're the ones in the room and they do not believe that anybody else mm-hmm. is entitled to a piece of the cake. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a real big problem. And this country has done a lot to feed that because it's very profitable to keep people in conflict. And a lot of people have bought it, but it's very hard to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't believe that you even have the right to be here on a land on land that they stole. Yeah. 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 And it gets old. That conversation is so exhausting. I feel bad for Sarah Sanders kids. Cause imagine having to be her kids as they get tucked into bed. Yeah. And Sarah Sanders is just shooting down requests for bedtime stories. <laughs> just no, no, I can't. No, no. I mean, I just feel like she can't turn it <laughs> off. I would imagine. <laughs> or no, they're probably fine. They're actually uh, probably great. The kids. No, they're That's being, the bummer part. <laughs> who's, who's, who's raising them? Well, no, I, I think the whole irony and propaganda of fake news, like, came from Fox News was the fake news. And, you know, it's like, even, like, I had a friend just, you know, that weekend, Sam, do you really believe that Fox is any better than CNN? And I just said, yeah, I mean, I understand that's, you know, now controversial, but, like, when Rachel Maddow was on air tearing up about these children, mm-hmm. people don't think that's real emotion. They don't, the, they, they like, look at this fucking libtard and all this. And it's like, but you believe Donald Trump's emotion, you know, or Betsy DeVos or Jeff Sessions or Scott Pruitt. Like, yeah, I mean, they were, talk about Jeff Sessions. He's Elmer Fudd. But it resonates <laughs> with them. And it what does they, because what they need he to sounds like them. Yeah. And then my whole thing is why is Christianity the number? Why do we go by fucking Christianity? I'm sorry, I'm Jewish. That doesn't apply to me. You can't quote the Bible. Because I'm not, I'm spiritual. I'm not even religious. But like, 
how can you quote the Bible? What if, you know, some Muslim got up there and quoted the damn Quran? So Maybe tell people where they, I just want people to know who they're listening to right now. Tell people where they can find you on social media. Tell them who you are right now quickly, just so that they know. Oh, so I'm Otsko Kotska. You can find me on all the platforms except for Snapchat um, at Otsko Comedy. And I am Samson Krupen, a.k.a. Crazy White Boy, a.k.a. Little Hazard. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and a little bit of Twitter. I'm not on Snapchat, but... Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to move on to something a little lighter. Yes. Lighter. And, uh, yeah, Funny Aida, A-I-D-A, and we'll be right back with Truth Serum. I like that you're like, you 
I won't stop at them. I'll talk to them outside. <laughs> We're talking about people. When you run into people from the hood and you think that they're doing something that's not okay, and you you're from the hood too, you know. And I, I pride myself in being fluent and and you know several languages. And so I you know I did go to college and I had the opportunity to get out of where I I went. I mean where I lived and how I lived. But I also don't forget where I came from. And um, and I I don't look down. I think the the worst thing you could ever do is uh, look down on someone, or dismiss somebody else's journey because it doesn't look like yours. Mm, and you have yep. to be able to respect other people. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that with everybody, not just people from the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we're talking here. We were just listening to Michael Jackson. That's the playlist for today. Today mm-hmm. is the day that Michael Jackson passed away. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was because I was in a room full of. Uh, Holy dignified comedians that uh, were so disgusted about me being admitting that I like Michael Jackson, mm. you know, out loud. And they were like, how could you like Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson was a child molester. And I was I, I uh, you know, I unfortunately living in Hollywood, you have access to people that you wouldn't normally have access to. Yeah. And I know someone who whose son was actually. A friend of uh, of one of the Jackson nephews or one of his nephews who had spent a lot of time around Michael Jackson and said that Michael Jackson was probably one of the kindest people he ever met. Mm-hmm. It was never inappropriate with him. Also, they knew uh, the relatives of the little boy who sued his parents because he said they lied and made him say that mm-hmm. Michael Jackson touched him oh, and wow. that it damaged him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What I can't say is that I know for a fact that Michael Jackson did not molest children. But I also can't say that I know that he did. I know that there was a lot of uh, mm. controversy around his estate and money and, um, and and just profiting from his destruction because he did. He was one of those people that wanted to own his masters. And then all this stuff came about. Same with Prince. Mm. And I am a conspiracy theorist. But <laughs> my question is, can you separate the art from the person? Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I use a little example of, uh, my parents got divorced and so I had to separate my father from the husband. Right. (laughs) So in some senses, yes, but you know, I don't know, but then with R. Kelly, do we, do we separate everybody's tearing him down? Obviously they're tearing everybody down, but, um, yeah, it's hard. I love Michael Jackson. Uh, I wanted to be Michael Jackson when I was little, you know, I had the red, red jacket with all the zippers and stuff and, in my birthday at Showbiz Pizza, man, I got the sparkle glove, and I have the most vivid memory of running around with my hand in the air and all my friends just following me around, like, yeah. thinking I was the shit, mm-hmm. you know? But it's it's hard. I think I personally don't believe that Michael Jackson, if he was what you would call a child, a lesser pedophile in the, in the common sense, I know this is going to sound controversial, I think the worst he maybe did with kids was cuddle. And obviously that's inappropriate, but the parents should not mm-hmm. have let their kids sleep over at an adult's house who wasn't their family, you know? Yeah, I mean, there are tears to it too, right? Like R. Yeah. Kelly, there's so many women. That, yes, it's yeah, more sexual. That have come out and have been silenced. Yeah, yes. and it's, you know, we got to, yes. So it's it's different tears, yeah. you know? Um, and I think Michael was robbed of his childhood. I think really if what Michael Jackson was was a child robbed of his childhood and then got rich and then wanted to live his childhood, but adults were not children, so he hung out with children in a weird way. Psychologically, I think that's like, I think, I don't think his, 
uh, actions were sexual or malicious. I just think he, the children, uh, they were children. They weren't adults and jaded. Like That's what they, they said about him. I, I, I'm a mom and I, I don't care. I loved Michael Jackson. I was born on August 29th, the same day of his birthday. Oh, I would not let my kids go to Michael Jackson's house. I I would, well, hold on, back up. House. I would, I would let them go you know? to Michael Jackson's house, but they would not. Not without me. Yeah, no, of course and not. And then I spend no. the night. <laughs> He's not going to Michael's. Not no. sleepover. No, unless no. I got to sleepover too. Yeah. And then we're fine. I'd love to have a slumber party with Michael I, Jackson. I wouldn't do that with many people. <laughs> no, only Michael <laughs> Jackson. Do that with okay. People I know. No. With a lot of people. I mean, yeah. If Coley wanted to go slumber party at Michael's, and it was, and you know, yeah, I'm coming. So again, they're not literally. But when it comes to like, can you separate the art from the artist? I always say the art is a part of the artist, you know, and mm -hmm. so you kind of can't. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, whatever your stance is on the person, I think it um, it comes with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And most artists are pretty broken people. They're not they're not the perfect uh, morally perfect person. That's where a lot of the art comes from, you know, is that most people are broken people. All people are All broken. People are people, broken, of course. But you can't Just, touch on little kids. Yes. Uh, I just I I think um I I just think maybe that I the conflict and the problem that people have is the double standard cuz Woody Allen for yeah. example yeah. he used to make Woody movies Allen. get nominated for mm -hmm. Oscars mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. is married to his stepdaughter yeah. mm -hmm. or adopted daughter adopted so I just daughter. think it's it's when you it's know, in a white box it looks a lot better and we can we can let it slide off easier but I've been hearing about R. Kelly for years before it even. I know people that work in the industry. There are people I'm not friends with anymore who told me they knew. They were like, oh, he's disgusting. He likes messing around with little girls. And mm -hmm. I'm like, and nobody's going to say anything. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. so it's I'll, all yes men. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's disgusting. It's really disgusting. So are you Michael Jackson fans? Yeah. I like him. I didn't necessarily grow up listening to mm -hmm. him. Uh, I grew up in Japan, so we listened to the Beatles <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> for some reason. I, I think it was the a Beatles. Yoko thing. And so oh, did nice. Michael Jackson. He loved yeah, the Beatles. I mean, he bought their masters. Yeah. Two of my favorites, yeah. yeah. No, Michael Jackson, I mean, look, you got to, if you feel the music, it makes you feel good. You can't deny it, you know? I mean, I don't want to say it's like Chick-fil-A at all because I love Chick-fil-A, but I really don't support, you know, Dan Cathy, the owner. And it's not. Totally the same thing. But yeah, music, it's, it's hard to, when you just want to listen to music saying, oh, fuck, I can't listen to my favorite song now um, because we don't know. I don't know. The guy's dead, you know. Let him, uh, let yeah, him rest, let him rest in peace. Awesome. Do you remember when they came back and they were like, did you know that Albert Einstein in 1929, did you hear about this? Like they found uh, diary entries of him, you know, talking about uh, Asian people in a very xenophobic way. Oh, no, yeah. I didn't know that. But like they just uncovered it. <laughs> I was like, he's dead. He's been dead. And, and he, in 1929, I would have been surprised if he told me he didn't say anything weird about other people. Other people, other people yeah. Yeah, totally. They because also said he had, he had sex with his cousin. Yeah, I mean, that dude, was I heard that on stage. People yesterday. were very <laughs> That's original. That's the thing, and you're man. A conspiracy theorist. All of your heroes were probably pretty sick, you know. <laughs> if you and, got down to it, you know, we're yeah. not perfect. I mean, I was, yeah, I was more surprised we were still talking about it, or that that was uncovered yeah. today. You know, I was like, oh yeah, of course. You know, in 2018, uh, Asian Americans will find out that Fresh Off the Boat is the only Asian show on TV because <laughs> in 1929, Albert Einstein wrote that we, you know, were aliens or whatever. Yeah. That's, no, but, that's, yeah, that's got a point. Yeah. So some people are dead. White supremacy. 
Man, that's it's been trending for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the table to get flipped. I mean, I just realized the whole, I mean, I know the June Juneteenth thing and all that, but I just was processing that, that yeah, 4th of July is such an American holiday. But for black people, they've been celebrating 4th of July. Like you're almost, it's almost like me celebrating um, liberation, not really from a holo, uh, you know, a concentration camp a year early. Yeah, we weren't even, <laughs> you uh, know, Puerto Ricans weren't even. Or I'm sorry, a uh, hundred years early. A hundred, <laughs> I said yeah. a year, you know, so it's just so, and people, white Americans, so, oh, come on, guys, let's not ruin 4th of July. Oh, now we can't have 4th of July anymore. And it's like, but you have to understand that my experience of 4th of July is not, your it's not yeah. you know it's not for you and you can have your fourth of july of just course. don't expect me to join you i don't right. want to go to your barbecue but you have yours yeah. you know yeah. what i mean yeah or it's just like you know thanksgiving like let's just acknowledge it's not this hallmark crap you know it's more about family getting together but to act like native americans and pilgrims sat together oh it's really come on. Sad. well this is america uh which uh, don't get you slipping now next story don't get oh, you slipping yes. now so Donald Glover, who was uh -huh. celebrated uh -huh. and hyped by a Jamie Foxx yesterday at the BET Awards, mm -hmm. he sort of like passed the baton and said, this guy is not, you know, because people always compare Donald Glover to Jamie, Jamie Foxx because he can act, he can sing, he can rap. And he was like, no, this guy is his own great guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, is being accused, trended on Twitter today, number mm -hmm. one trending topic with all the other stuff that's going on in America. <laughs> Donald Glover is trending because he's, they said that he stole... Mm -hmm. The record from uh, this other rapper, Jace, Jace Harley. Jace, Jace I, I heard it today. Yeah, I listened to the song. I, yeah. I don't, I don't fully. I mean, look, I'd say when Lady Gaga did, uh, what was it? Um, you were born that way. I mm -hmm. mean, that was such a direct rip of "Express Yourself" from Madonna. Um, and then like blurred lines, you know, that was such a direct rip. But this, I listen to that, and yeah, there's some common. Themes, but I don't think Donald Glover was like online. It's like, yo, because dude, his whole yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what is it? That we're gonna is listen so to we're gonna listen to a little yeah. bit of each of them, mm -hmm. and then we're gonna talk about it. But is it is it a sample? Is it a interpolation? Is it did they? I think it's parallel thinking. It's like in comedy when you just are like, dude, and you know, like we're subject to the same news. Well. Uh, What's his name? Um, I keep I keep forgetting everybody's name because that's what happens to me when I don't eat. <laughs> Which one? Jace? Um, the guy whose song he stole. Oh, Jace or he said, well, Jace yeah. said that he, he could have at least gotten a shout out. That was his right. response. Yeah, he felt that. Whole. And it yeah. wasn't like an angry response. No. It was actually mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, I, I look up to him and it's cool that he was inspired by it. I just wanted credit. That's all. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not an angry Yeah. And then you just don't know. You don't and know Donald if he. Donald Glover's if it was manager's cool. response was angry. Oh, I didn't yeah. see that. This see, I shut my phone fuck off. You. Oh. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Yeah. See, that ain't right, dude. Donald's got to control that. I mean, he's got to be. I mean, dude, bring the dude to your next concert and just dispel the whole thing. It'll be a great viral video and be like, "Yo, this dude had a great song, and they sounded alike." And I'll tell you from if this is true, honestly, I had never heard this song before. He should have him. Just, Come open for him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That'd that's all he's got to do. Followers. Great press, dude. Like, let him. Like, I think all artists that get on should help artists that aren't on get on. Maybe they could do a remix, you know, half yeah. me, half mm -hmm. you. Ah, and we both there's... say America at the same <laughs> yeah, time because right? guess what we do. That's right. <laughs> you can use as many songs ex uh, exposing what the fuck is going yeah. on in this Or do a song right? collab with they them on the next thing. They should you know? do like, a just... cover of each other's songs. Right. And it's like, guess who's singing it? 
Anyhow, I don't know. Hilarious. So we're going to listen to a, mm-hmm. a little bit of each of them. And if you are listening, we want you to chime in. You can call us at 310-980-6610. Did I get it right? 986. Oh, I'm almost there. 310-986-6610. All those sixes. Mm-hmm. And which one are we playing first? Childish Gambino first, and mm-hmm. then Jace. I'm sorry, Childish Gambino's song. Donald Glover's the other guy. Mm-hmm. No, Childish Gambino is Donald Glover. No, I know, but the, uh, oh, okay. what I'm saying is that his, <laughs> yeah. the music artist is child, Childish, it, Gambino, Childish Gambino. And Donald Glover is the actor. Which is really just a childish child, right? Because Gambino is a little bit Yeah. Child, right? Yeah. Mm. No, Bambino. Bambino is like little baby. baby. Right. Childish baby, I think. But Gambino is... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. I love that song anyway. Dude, this part, I love this shit. This is, this is America. Mm-hmm. We want to hear what you think. Um, I'll get it later on Twitter because that's how it always works or on Instagram. But this is Childish Gambino. This is America. We'll play a little bit of speech. American Pharaoh. And we want to know what you think. So you can call us 310-986-6610. You can tweet us. Tell them what your handles are. At Samson Krupen, S-A-M-S-O-N-C-R-O-U-P-P-E-N. At Otsko Comedy, A-T-S-U-K-O. And here we are, American Pharaoh. And I want to know what you think. I'm young and I'm black in America. They try to attack and embarrass us. Y'all don't want your daughters to marry us. But they let us dick, so I tear it up. Got a wedded and married nurse. Half a society scared of us. My nigga, I'm young with no barriers. So if you owe me money, just see me Police killed my best friend, they shot him dead. I do not forgive, I do not forget. My life is a cliff and I'm by the ledge. And in less than a moment, a lot is said. But if you don't know me, do not allege. The thoughts in my head, you cannot arrest. I see that as a promise. Uh, that doesn't sound the same to me. It's, it's not that much of a direct rip. I can hear his flow, but I think also Donald Glover was trying to do like a trap song in a sense. So he was doing a cadence that's familiar to the... You know what I mean? To that style. So I can see it more of a flow, but I don't, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Does it sound the same to you? No, just because he says America. Mm -hmm. What about you? Well, no, I, you know, my tendency was like, well, let's listen and 
find out. Maybe, you know, they're reaching. Right. And then I did I did kind of I was like, Oh shit. Awkward. Just a little, bit. Mm. A little I, bit. Yeah. I hear the similarities. When sure. I heard it, I was like, Oh yeah, kind of actually. But yeah. it just but that song does not grab you like Donald Glover's song. You know what I mean? It's it's but I think it's also probably like comedy. You know how it is, Ida. Sometimes People like, oh, so and so stole my joke, and sometimes just whoever gets it to a special first, or you know what I mean, like yeah, but that's be, just not okay that you. I'm not saying they stole shit, it. I'm just saying it can be it so better. parallel. I think with comedy, it can be so parallel that you can have two comics have a very. I mean, he's talking about being black in America. His friend got shot. You know this. You know social issues like these are things. You know it's parallel. Mm-hmm. Well, know. I mean, the, the songs are different in terms of content. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're talking about America and what, mm-hmm. what's going on in, in America. But the guy, the other guy, the American Pharrell song, he's mm-hmm. talking about getting his money. Mm-hmm. And um, he's talking about it in a different, the context is different. But I think that what I heard that was similar was a little bit of the sound. Like there was that chanting in the background. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. cadence. I and think then it, when yeah. there's a chorus and when there's... Mm-hmm. Verse, yeah. Um, I actually really liked American Feral too. Like it, yeah. It hooked yeah. me in. Like I said, I mean, the smartest thing he could do is just give him, you know, let him open or something for him, squash it right there. Yeah, I think giving him a platform would be mm-hmm. the strongest thing to do. It's, yeah, it's not like when Amy Schumer took like Patrice O'Neill's frat guy jokes, you know, from the end of her special, like. When she's like, you know, does like sex moves like those jokes were popular in the late 90s. Yeah, those are stock. And and the fact that they're stock jokes like that was almost even Patrice. And, you know, of course he did. But that's their stock kind of jokes, you know. Well, I mean, but I think that to accuse her of stealing a stock joke is to suck. It's a stock joke. Anybody Mm -hmm. can use it. Now, Mm -hmm. if she stole somebody's specific joke, which she's which she did. She Patrice O'Neill's. It was like specific, you know. But I, I just think uh, so. I mean, I I um I've heard a lot about Beyonce has been accused of stealing. If I were a boy, mm. of choreography, you know, shows she's on YouTube admitting to stealing and yeah, saying mm-hmm. people don't want us to come to their shows because they know we're gonna steal their shit and thinks think that it's funny and is of the belief if we take it and make it better, then what's the problem? But then where's the integrity of the artist if mm-hmm. you can't, you know, if you can't be safe around your idols because they might steal your shit because they think they're bigger than you and they're going to make it better. Imagine right. if Chris Rock came to our shows and said, you're not going to do anything with that joke. I'm going to take that joke and take it to the next level. Oh, yeah. Well, well then I, mean, I would know when he's like, so I'm Asian. And I'm going right. to chop bang. Right. That's when hilarious. I was, when I was undocumented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, that's like uh, people used to talk about our, uh, Guy Tori's room, we were the PCP uh, improv sketch group, and Nick Cannon would sit in there all the time watching our different games and then wilding out comes. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of corroborate that he, he got a lot of ideas for that just from, like, watching our sketch group and stuff. And, uh-huh. of course, none of us were cast on that show, you know. No, you guys are too old. I know. At the Cody time, we has, weren't though. Cody has to be. That was Esau. Yeah. Every oh. week it gets every season. The show gets younger and younger, mm-hmm. and they want people on the on social media. Oh yeah. Um. So we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about Dave Chappelle and comedy, and then we're gonna find out what's going on in the lives of these two comedians who have graced us with their presence. But before we go out, let them know where they can find you on social media. I'm at. Otsuko Comedy, A-T-S-U-K-O, Comedy. You can Google how to spell it. (laughs) 
at Samson Crouppen, S-A-M-S-O-N-C-R-O-U-P-P-E-N. sound like chickens at a chicken. I do it with men, too. Oh, God. Just to hear people rating women by their looks. Numbers. Men and numbers. Yeah, the the scale. I only do that with spice level and what else? Mm. That's it. You know, imagine if if women were just really walking around saying, yeah, you know, Fred, the six, (laughs) the six. You He's know a what six, I mean? or and now is he a, just be broken? Then we might Chicago get. We, I don't know. Then or? we might be getting paid more. I don't know. There's a difference between a Minnesota six and an LA six. You know, that's like horrible. That's, I mean, I'm just saying. You don't really sound like you're talking about me. No, <laughs> like no. talking about people. Um, so we are in studio with two comedians, and. Um, I like to bring comedians in here to talk about what's going on because comedians have their own perspective and people mm. think that comedians are always supposed to be jokey, joke, joke. And that's not the case. We have something to say. We have a point of view and we have things to talk about 
that are always not in joke form. But uh, Dave Chappelle has endorsed uh, Ben Jealous for governor in Maryland. And uh, we were reading today about it and reading some of the comments. And people are so upset because they're like, why don't you stick to comedy? Which is mm. what they always tell I hate that. Our, an artist who agrees with their point of view. Because it's usually nobody was telling, like I said, and I'm going to say it every week. If you didn't tell George Carlin to stick to comedy, <laughs> then don't tell other comedians to stick to comedy because they don't look like George Carlin. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, George Carlin is, that's who I was going to, I mean, he is the example of a comedian, you know, and that's what comedians are really, I think, when, you, when a comedian gets great, it's because they're making social issues funny. You know what I mean? Like when Chris Rock says bullets should be $1,000 each, and so they're like, what? It's like the moment when you're like, wow, that's actually a good idea and it's hilarious, yeah. you know? And that's just, when people say, um, I get, I had this guy who trolled me all the time on um, Facebook, uh, Big Daddy, um, and he always um, hashtags me, um, bring back funny Sammy, or hashtag social justice Sammy, <laughs> and just because I say stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm a libtard or whatnot, you know what I mean? And it's like, I, comedians, of course, we're supposed to, comment on this crazy shit because if we weren't there to make you laugh then you can cry like you know that's your other mm -hmm. option is this this is because he, dave Chappelle usually doesn't talk about politics right. is that what you're saying yeah. yeah yeah i mean you know um people change <laughs> and uh endorsements help you know politicians know that yeah yeah um so i don't think it's crazy <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think i've never heard him uh publicly endorse any other candidate mm -mm. he actually was the guy that went on snl and told america to give donald trump a chance remember when he did which that? he regretted saying that i, I mean think, he because... did regret it but he did say it and it came from an mm -hmm. authentic place in him because he was tr thinking about the con the country collectively mm -hmm. and he was like this is the president now this is what we got to do and we got to give him a chance and and then he came under fire from the liberals mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. now that he's endorsing they're like ah stick to comedy but it's like do you feel like you should stick to comedy when you do your stand-up? Should you extract your point of view about things that are going on in society because you're a comedian? I mean, you know, I already talk about politics, so it's a little different, I think. Um, but yeah, I guess it's like imagining if, you know, Taylor Swift finally chimed in about politics, right? right? Which she did, okay? A March, for li March for Our Lives, you know, Emma Gonzalez just got so many people inspired that even Taylor Swift, <laughs> Taylor Swift was like, yeah, March for Your Lives. We like, I was like, you got maybe Taylor Swift woke. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe so she'll write a song kinda, about it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Instead of a boyfriend. <laughs> uh, it's refreshing. But it's kind of like, you know, especially if they never talked about politics. I think uh, it's like, oh, okay, then actually more people people who only want to hear comedy might actually be curious now right who's been jealous yeah. what do you mean oh your fathers were friends what you know they're going to do the research mm -hmm. so if anything i think it might make more people curious about this newfound you know interest in yeah. um, supporting a candidate i think it's great i mean i think also the reason dave spell is doing it now is because he doesn't he doesn't give af anymore you know what I mean? He's, I mean, I think he's got his money. He just got what, $60 million from Netflix. And I think he's gotten to a point in his life where he's got enough money that if, if the um, industry shuts him out again, he's got his nest egg, you know, he can leave it. And I'm sure, I think it's great. He should be 
putting uh, his power to social change? Like, what's the you point? Know, he's always, I think it's when people get upset when a comedian starts talking about something that they don't, they don't agree with mm -hmm. because Dave Chappelle has always expressed his point of view about whatever he wanted to. Cause when he did that interview with Charlie Rose, he said, I'll write a joke about anything. If I think it's funny, there is nothing. Cause Charlie was like, is there anything you won't talk about? And, and then they talked about the shit jokes and the fart jokes. And he was like, if I think I can write a good shit joke, I'll write a good shit joke. But he was like, I'll talk about anything. If I believe I can make it funny. So when he, this is not him talking about it in his comedy, though. This is he, him actually endorsing right. a politician. And I think that that is why people are upset mm -hmm. because they're like, why is his endorsement valid? Right. Yeah, no. well, then right. why, how did that, um, the guy who owns the Bunny Ranch got the Republican nomination in Nevada, you know right. what I mean? Like, or Donald I, Trump became president. Of course. I mean, it's just like, I think it's reached a point where, um, you know, Dave Chappelle wised up and he's like, look, I got a lot of power and shit is going really awry and I'm going to, you know, I think you get to a certain point in your life when you get old enough, you're like, yo, if I die tomorrow, don't, don't I want people to believe that I actually believed in something? And or cared about know? stuff. All right. So, uh, I want everybody to know where they can find you, not just on social media, but where you'll be performing and mm -hmm. what you got going on and, um, yeah, where they can come see you live because- People who listen to Truth Serum actually go to comedy shows. Oh, good. Okay, I like you. Okay, listen up. Here we go. Now, uh, I actually am playing a show tomorrow night because I'm also a musician, drummer. So I'm playing oh. with a band tomorrow night at the Mint. Stick uh, to comedy. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'll be doing that tomorrow night at the Mint. Uh, and then also uh, with a great artist, An Angelica Artifact. She's really amazing. And uh, I have a show Del Harrison and I are doing the Del and Sam Comedy Jam at the Lyric Hyperion Theater. Mm. So I'm getting a date tomorrow, so check on the Lyric Hyperion uh, website. Yes. Um, so I'm all over town. Oops. I'm all over town. You can find out where I'm at on nights at nights uh, on my website, otskokotska.com. I have a show called The Comedy Pageant. It's a comedy show and making fun of pageants at the same time. That's awesome. Um, at the Virgil. Uh, so that's monthly. And then also uh, I host a show called Let's Go Otsuko, a woke Japanese game show mm -hmm. at Dynasty Typewriter. So look out for that too. That sounds great. I heard that show is fun and great. I want to thank you both for being here. I really appreciate you stopping by. I'd love for you to come back and talk about some more um, uplifting things and funny. We'll take it in a lighter direction. We're going to raise the lights in the room yeah. so the ambiance is not <laughs> so cozy. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are coming back with Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks and the new show No Filter on the Young Turks Network. We'll be right back. I'm here before. 
We are back at Truth Serum, and my girl Anna Kasparian is in the house from the Young Turks and her new show, No Filter, right? Yes. I'm so excited that you're here because you're one of my, you're one of the reasons why I take so much interest in what's going on around me. Thank you. Yeah, you really, you, you know, I watched you before I ever, you know, was on the Young Turks with you guys, and I was like, that girl is just passionate. Like yeah. it's not fake. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I am passionate. Um, 
that's, I didn't know that you watched the show before you were on. Yeah. How did you find out about TYT? I, my girlfriend. I have a friend named uh, Cece Parker who loves the Young Turks. Mm-hmm. She's from Alabama, black woman from the South, and was like, I am so tired of listening to the news mm-hmm. and feeling like I'm not getting the truth. So then she told me, she's like, you got to watch these these people, the Young Turks. Mm-hmm. And she was, it was so funny because she has a very Southern accent. I don't know where they from, but they <laughs> funny and they tell and they cuss. And she, she was the one that told me about the Young Turks. That's so. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when I think about our viewers, I don't typically think of people who have Southern accents. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that there are a lot of people in the South who, who feel underrepresented by the media and at least um, misrepresented uh, as Southerners. So it's always good to hear from people in the South that that do support the show and they appreciate it. Um, It's tough times, though. Um, I got angry on the show quite a bit today because I'm just I'm tired. I'm tired. What happened? What did you what what were you talking about today? So we were talking about um, just Trump wanting to unilaterally take action against immigrants, uh, deport them or, yeah. or turn them back uh, without any due process, which is unconstitutional. And he's you know, holding the children hostage. He's, he held, at first, he's held the children hostage, realized that it was a politically unpopular thing to do right. because even Republicans were criticizing him for that, and then turn around and, and sign an executive order ending his own policy, and then <laughs> yes. now he's claiming that, oh, this policy has been around for forever. No, it hasn't. You're the one who implemented it, and you realized it wasn't a good idea, so you signed your executive order. He's just, he's dictatorial. And and he's authoritarian and he does not believe in our system of government. He doesn't believe in our constitution. And I'm tired of those on the left who want to keep having civil discussions and debates about it. The ones that keep telling us that we need to be polite. The ones who say, oh, don't harass uh, Kirsten Nielsen while she's eating at a restaurant. Damn right we're going to harass Kirsten Nielsen. Anyone who's complicit in in this type of cruelty deserves to be harassed as they're having a lovely meal um, at a Mexican restaurant in D.C. I'm just fed up. I'm tired of it. Well, you know what? I I am. You and I are of that belief because you and I have this. We meet in this place because the topic of today is is civility out the window. And I think that it should be. Yes. I think we especially. okay. so when the lady with the water um, with that called the cops on the eight year old black girl in San Francisco um, spoke out or whatever, everybody started coming to my page because I reposted Sean King's thing and they Mm -hmm. were sending me these DMs saying we have to learn to you to lead with love. And I'm like, why are minorities and marginalized people always told the oppressed you got to meet people with love. Martin Luther King, meet people with love all the time. But you are constantly met with hate. It's a way of shutting you up. Honestly, that's what it is. And I'm and I'm tired of it because here's what's happened as as we've been playing patty cakes with civility, right? The other side has been punching us in the face. Right. And you know, I don't believe in physical violence. I would never put my hands on anyone unless right. I need to do so to defend myself. But I do believe in exercising your First Amendment right and speaking out. These right. are elected officials. Uh, these are government officials who are getting paid by taxpayer money to impose untold cruelty on other people, both here in the United States and abroad. And I'm not going to sit back and take it anymore. I'm tired of being told that we need to meet anyone with love when they're doing these heinous things to other humans. No, no, they don't deserve to be met with love. They deserve to be met with real criticism and protest. And that's what's finally happening. And let's be clear. Self-love does not mean 
anti-white mm-hmm. and that's what it's become when right. you see black people saying that they're proud to be black or black lives matter it automatically becomes anti-white or you know latin people brown people speaking up for babies in cages who are crying i can't even say it without getting emotional it's anti-white and it's where does that come from well i i think that if you see a movement like black lives matter and you immediately get defensive that says a lot about you why are you getting defensive if you know that you are not um, a a person of prejudice, if you know that you don't support, uh, you know, brutality against any group of people, then you have nothing to worry about. You have no reason to be defensive. I'm a, I have an Armenian background, but I'm considered white. I'm Caucasian. I don't feel threatened by the Black Lives Matter movement. And the reason why I don't is because I understand what's happening to that community. I've seen the videos, I've done the stories, I've looked at the data. I know what's happening to certain groups of people in the country. That says nothing about me as a person, but if I get defensive and angry about people rising up and protesting a legitimate concern, then it does say something about me. Why am I getting defensive? That's right. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to find out how all of this started for Anna. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back.
We are back with Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks. Tell me about No Filter because it's a podcast too. Right? Yes, yes. So uh, No Filter, um, hashtag No Filter is how okay. you can find it on um, iTunes if you're interested. It's just a show that I get to host by myself, which mm-hmm. is a little refreshing. I, I have a lot of opinions and on the Young Turks, of course, I, I co-host. So it's hard for me. I don't want to like steal the stage and just talk the entire time. You know, you got to... S- and sometimes I'll have all these thoughts and all these things I want to say, but you get derailed because the conversation is very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, with no filter, it's a completely different format. It's um, very well researched and pre-produced, heavy on the pre-production. Um, so what I like to do is have a script that I write myself um, with all the like data and statistics and, and evidence for the points that I'm trying to make. Right. Um, and it just allows me to do a deeper dive in topics that I care and about. And it's just you. It's just me. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like Bill Burr has a podcast and it's just him and it's really fun to listen. It's always fun to listen to someone who actually has a point of view. Right. Yeah. And knows what they're talking about. And, and, and is also talking about something they actually care about. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I, I was always against reading from a teleprompter. I thought that that made you sound robotic. But I realized that the anchors that sound robotic are the ones who don't. They're just news actors. They right. have a team of writers who write for them. And then they just regurgitate whatever they see on a teleprompter. Whereas with me, it's my writing, my research, and an issue or three issues on each episode that I genuinely care a lot about. So tell me, Anna, how did all this begin for you? How Mm -hmm. did you get, how did you end up with the Young Turks? And did you always want to be a journalist? Yeah, I always wanted to work in news. Um, When I was in middle school, like sixth grade, Mm -hmm. my mom was always um, pushing me to think about what I wanted to do for my career. Uh, She felt very passionately about being an independent woman um, because she herself uh, was not, you know, she was a homemaker. She raised us um, and she gave up her career to do all that. And I think that there was a part of her that regretted it. You know, even though she loved being a mom, you become dependent on your spouse. And I think she realized that she really didn't want that for me. (laughs) So, you know, in sixth grade, she's like, all right, you got to make a decision. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mom was like, well, you really like watching 2020, which is a new show on ABC. And she's like, why don't you be a journal? And before she could finish, I was like, yeah, I want to be a journalist. And oddly enough, like I, I stuck to it and I really genuinely loved the idea of doing what like Barbara Walters would do on, on Mm -hmm. ABC's 2020, which was have interesting conversations with people from all over the world. So um, I ended up at TYT very unexpectedly. I graduated college with my journalism degree, started working at CBS and did not enjoy CBS. Mm -hmm. I was an assistant producer. I hated it. And I thought that I was, you know, in the middle of this career crisis because since sixth grade, everything was about becoming a journalist. And then here I am in a newsroom feeling pretty miserable about that decision. And I decided to apply for a master's degree in political science and then just try to figure out what I wanted to do next. So one of my coworkers at CBS told me about a temporary position at a startup called TYT, the Young Turks. And I just needed extra money. I was planning on going to Europe uh, for the first time, traveling out of the country for the first time. And so I was like, well, it's a two week thing. 
first let me figure out what Young Turks means because I'm Armenian and the name kind of turned me off. Right. Um, but once I investigated the name and understood what it was about, then I was fine with it and thought I would just go do my two weeks and then be done with it. But when I went to go do my um, first day or, or when I showed up on my first day, um, I just remember Cenk Uger, who's the founder of the company, walking in like rushed. He was pretty late. He was about to go on air in like 30 seconds, sits down and just starts railing against the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. And at that time, no one in the media was criticizing the Bush administration. I mean, we had just engaged in a preemptive war. All of these uh, freedoms and liberties were being destroyed. You know, you had the Patriot Act, you had um, warrantless uh, wiretapping, all these terrible things happening. No one would criticize him. But Jake just comes in very like, I don't know, calmly sits down and then just goes at it. And I was like, I want to work here for, for the long <laughs> haul. And so when the two weeks were up, I asked to stay. There were no positions available. And I was like, I'll do anything. And he's like, okay, you want to do marketing? No experience in marketing, have no interest in doing marketing. But I said, yes. And I got lucky because the female um, co-anchor at the time decided to quit TYT and then go work for a think tank in Washington, DC. And so there was kind of like this empty space for a female voice. And I kind of worked my way up. I, I started off doing celebrity gossip stories, which I hated, mm -hmm. and then um, snuck in some political stories here and there. And then with a little bit of a fight, I was able to kind of establish myself there as a political voice. So for the sake of the listeners, will you tell them what TYT means? Sure, yeah. So um, Young Turk um, in in America and also in various dictionaries means one who rebels against societal expectations. The reason why Cenk named it Young Turks was because he had been working in the media and hated the way things were done with the mainstream. Um, he felt like there was a void uh, in journalism where real truth telling exists. And so he decided to break the conventional way of delivering news uh, by being a young Turk, by rebelling against the expectations in the news industry and creating a new show that's completely different and irreverent. You know, it's funny because I was on his, uh, I, I don't look at my mentions, but I go to yours and mm -hmm. his and I'll, I'll check out to see. I'm always looking out for my folks because <laughs> I really, I, I just do. It's just my nature. But I was looking at it the other day and somebody, he tweeted something about the children in the cages, I think it was. Yep. And then somebody responded, are you ever going to uh, stop denying the Armenian genocide? Yeah, which she's done on several occasions, but they don't care. I mean, these are people who don't care about Armenians at all, at right. all right? They are exploiting something tragic that happened to my ancestors to attack us. And it's disgusting. He has acknowledged the genocide. We have talked about the Armenian genocide on the show. We talked about something that is not acknowledged by the American government, including mm -hmm. Donald Trump. Right. So if you want to criticize someone about uh, lack of acknowledgement in regard to the Armenian genocide, take a good hard look at your U.S. president. <laughs> so tell um, Anna, the listeners, Tell me three things about you that people probably don't know about you. Wow, three things about me. I was told to prepare for this, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I'm an open book on the show. Mm -hmm. So I feel like people know a lot about me. Um, so one thing is that I grew up in a working class neighborhood, Reseda, California. And when I was in elementary school, I was the only Armenian there. Um, wow. It was a predominantly Latino school and a Latino community. And I feel like that's where I kind of 
developed my love for the culture, right. you know? Um, and so, you know, sometimes when we talk about culture and how we identify, I talk about how there are certain, you know, Latin American traditions that make me feel more comfortable than certain Armenian traditions. Right. That's not to say I don't love Armenian culture, but it's just, you know, you're more comfortable in, in when you're, you're more comfortable toward things that you've grown up with and, and experienced. And also there was like a certain level of I don't know, freedom that I felt with uh, the Latino community as opposed to the very conservative Armenian community right. that I grew up in. Um, and I really appreciated that and enjoyed that as well. Yeah. That's right. So, okay, so the, the the I was listening to someone talk about Kim Kardashian yesterday and mm -hmm. about how she goes to Armenia every year to in honor of the, the genocide and it, they've spoken out. I forget that they are Armenian mm -hmm. every year until that day. Because mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. I never hear them ever talk about being Armenian. You always do. Yeah. You're always uh, promoting culture, period. Your husband yeah. is Cuban. Yes. And you guys are, you got, you were always talking about that on the show. And yes, you are an open book. I've, I've sat next to you when you've been in tears and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I really yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what people like about the show. It's yeah. just super authentic and I don't really feel the need to hide who I am or what I think. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I really don't want to be this like polished robot that tells everyone what they want to hear. I'd make a lot more money that way, yeah. but, but I, I need to be true to myself. I think that's why I love that going there because I, I don't feel like people are scoffing at me because of no. where I come from. I also have uh, authentic conversations and I have, you know, I, I feel like I'm in the room where I would go places, you know, I've, I've sat to, and talked to the people from the talk and the view, actually the view. And I just feel like they want me to be something else. Right. Whereas I can just be myself there and, and people respect me for it, which is very important. I think that's what the listeners or the viewers gravitate towards is knowing that they they also have a seat at the table. Yeah, definitely. And I wish that we had more, um, it's tough to find, but more reasonable conservatives on yeah. because they exist. Um, I was on the show called Right, Left and Center a couple of weeks ago. It's on KCRW. And Rich Lowry is a regular conservative um, panelist on the mm -hmm. show. And he's a reasonable guy. And it's crazy because I, I listen to him and I think, wow, this is the Republican Party of the past because really the Republican Party has turned into the party of Trump. Right. And that's unfortunate because I think that the more reasonable voices like Anna Navarro, I mean, I don't agree with her on a lot of things. Right. right? But she's at least principled and reasonable. And I feel like she and Rich Lowry and other conservatives like them are becoming unicorns. Yeah, they're yeah. actually trying to fight to stay alive yeah. because they feel like they've been also pushed out of a movement that does exclude. Because I, I don't think anybody who's honorable, whether they're on the left or the right, would be cool with somebody who says, grab them by the pussy. Right. You know That's what I mean? That's such a good point. I mean, the, the conservative Republican Party is supposed to be the most against that. Right. You know, that's that's the incredible thing. I mean, the evangelicals in the country overwhelmingly voted for Trump. And this is a guy who's been married three times. He has children from three different women. He cheated on his wives like crazy. He was, you know, on tape talking about grabbing women by the pussy and moving in on them like a bitch. Like yeah. th that's who they voted for, which, uh, you know, I never really took their 
uh, religious beliefs seriously anyway, but they have no place to judge the lifestyle of anyone else when they overwhelmingly supported someone like Trump. Man. So one of the things that I see people comment for you a lot is uh, mm -hmm. they want you to run for a political office. Would you ever? Consider? No chance. Zero percent. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I would not do that to myself. No, I mean, I I would. I've considered it. I was asked to run f uh, for Senate and I, I did genuinely consider it, but I know I wouldn't be happy. I just wouldn't. I don't want to run. I don't want to fundraise. I don't want to hobnob. I don't want to network. I hate all of that. I just want to do my job and I want to go home to my, my dog and my husband. Yeah. And she says she loves her dog. I love Follow my dog. Follow her on Instagram. Yeah. It's the best, best thing that's ever happened to me. I love that dog. <laughs> I, I felt sorry for John because he was watching. Who was it? Was it Brett mm -hmm. or John? Who watched the dog while you were out of town? Oh, it was John. It was John. John. Yeah, because yeah. he he was uh, not happy about your return because he didn't want to give oh, you your dog yeah, back. I would murder him, though. You better <laughs> give me my dog back. <laughs> Did she say murder him? So you don't want to run for office. Mm -mm. Uh, what about a book? I've thought about a book, but there are so many annoying obstacles in the way. I just, I don't. So the thing about writing a book that people don't understand is you have this back and forth with literary agents that makes you want to pull your hair out, right? So here is my book proposal. Give me all the revisions you want me to make. I will make those revisions. Maybe we'll go back and forth twice. But like this process of going back and forth for like five years, I don't have time for that. So I don't know when I'll write a book. I know I want to, mm -hmm. but it's just so much of a time commitment with annoying obstacles that shouldn't exist. <laughs> so we'll see. That's funny. So you guys are on television now. You guys yeah, are. On yeah. So YouTube we're on TV. YouTube TV. I don't know how it works to be completely honest it's with a package, you. Right. It's, it's one of the packages. It's like a skinny bundle thing. Um, right. And so I, I'm a cord cutter. I don't own any type of cable service. Um, but YouTube TV is also available digitally. So yeah. if you uh, have an account with YouTube TV, you can just sign in and watch online. And yeah, the show that I host is um, live every Monday at 1.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific Oh, so you time. did no filter today. Today, yeah. What'd you talk about today? So I focused on the state of the economy today okay. because I know it's not the hot button topic everyone's discussing, but it's such a misreported topic that it, it drives me crazy. So um, in the first uh, part of the show, I talked about Mick Mulvaney and what he's doing to the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Mm -hmm. That is literally the only government agency that looks out for us and protects us from the wrongdoings of the big banks. And Mick Mulvaney, like he has a long history of talking about how much he hates it. He's called it a sick joke. And uh, Trump was like, oh, he's the perfect guy to be the temporary head of the CFPB. And since then he's weakened the agency so much. I mean, oh. he's really, really weakened it. Um, so we talked about that. Second segment was on um, what the economy is really like for the majority of Americans. So everyone keeps talking about the jobs report. Oh, the jobs report, unemployment is so low. Oh yeah, unemployment's low, but um, what's the quality of these jobs, right? right? Wages are still stagnant. Uh, there are more than 5 million Americans who are um, part-time workers and they do not want to be part-time workers. They want full-time work. Uh, temporary jobs are overpowering the economy. These are, you know, unstable jobs with no benefits uh, and they're temporary, right? Again, unstable. And there are all sorts of issues. I mean, the stock market has taken a plunge because of Trump's ridiculous tariff uh, and trade war. But even before that, the stock's, 
the stock prices looked impressive because these executives would take the massive tax cuts that they received and guess what they would do? They would do stock buybacks, artificially inflating the value of those stocks. So if you just do a deeper dive, you'll see that the economy is actually pretty terrible. You know, you have all these people making minimum wage, unable to afford a two-bedroom house, uh, two-bedroom apartment anywhere in the country, including Arkansas, which is known to have the lowest um, housing prices in the country. I mean, the, the situation's not good, but what's amazing is while people are on the verge of going homeless, they will stand there and regurgitate the propaganda that they've heard from the Trump administration, that the economy is booming. No, it's not. You're suffering, dude. Like yeah. you, you can't afford a $400 emergency and you think the economy's improved for whom? The economy's improved for the millionaires and billionaires that have been, you know, riding this corporate wave for a long time. Anyway, I'm getting all heated about it. No, but I like it. I, yeah. was, I read this article about how the crops are suffering because mm -hmm. the, the immigrants are being sent back and nobody wants to go mine the crops. That's right. But these are the jobs that they say that the immigrants are coming to take, but they don't want to do those jobs. Yeah, I've done a lot of research into farmers who previously loved hardline politics or policies on immigration. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as some of those policies were implemented, they lost a lot of their labor. And so they were like, oh, not a big deal. We'll just increase the wages, offer benefits. Americans will do these jobs, but they won't. No. Um, and so a lot of farmers are suffering from that. A lot of farmers are about to suffer from this trade war as well, including... Um, soybean farmers and uh, you know farmers that have orange groves and things like that. So we'll see how that plays out for Trump in the polls, but Harley Davidson just announced that they're gonna move a bunch of jobs to the, to the EU because it's just gonna be too expensive to deal with manufacturing here in the United States and exporting the motorcycles to European countries. So how bad has uh, Donald Trump run this country in the ground? It's it, worse than I thought it would be. Right. It's worse than I thought it would be. It's anxiety inducing. I hate him a lot. I mean, I, I and hate is a very strong word, but I have a level of hate for that man that I've never experienced for anyone in my life because of how cruel he is, how incompetent he is. He's one of the dumbest people I have ever heard speak. And it's incredible that people will look at this man who has gone bankrupt six separate times and argue that he's a smart businessman right. who's gonna know how to run the country correctly. He's done nothing but fill the swamp with a bunch of goons who love the corruption. Yeah. Um, he has cut taxes for corporations, refused to close corporate tax loopholes. The, I mean, the middle class continues to shrink. He is much worse than I ever expected. And look, the thing about him that makes him worse than previous politicians is that he wants to do things unilaterally. He wants to do things without, you know, implementing the checks and balances that are inherent in our constitution. Yeah. And that is what a dictator does. And while we're sitting back here, you know, arguing about those who are the weakest, those who have absolutely no power, you have this dude at the very top solidifying power on his side and doing things without Congress, doing things without any regard for the laws that we have and have had for a long time. Yeah, that was one of his recent tweets about the immigrants. Like we, we should be able to send them back without a judge, without courts, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. you know, um, I was, uh, I've been reading, I think it was George Bernard Shaw that said, in a tyranny, a tyranny is a family ruled by its weakest member. 
And that's what this looks like. Oh my gosh, that's such a great way of putting it. It, it really is because and he's I, sick. And I just, I want Americans to do better. I mean, I think that this is a this has been a long time coming in yeah. that the Republican Party has successfully dismantled public education in the country. Critical thinking is no longer a characteristic of Americans. It's not. Everything lacks nuance. Every issue is black or white. You're not allowed to criticize your own side, for instance. Right. And that's another issue that I've had. I feel like on the left, at least I can speak for myself, we were critical of the Obama administration, right? right? We didn't look at Obama and think, oh, he identifies as a liberal Democrat. So we, he's untouchable. We are not allowed to criticize him. We criticized him like crazy. We criticized him with his own immigration policies. His foreign policy was disastrous. He did some good things, um, but he failed on many levels, especially when it came to doing something for the black community. There was a lot of... There was a lot of pain and suffering, especially in the form of police brutality yep. uh, for the black community under Obama's watch. Yep. And he was afraid to say anything about it. And so we criticized him for that. Now, on the other hand, you have Republicans refusing to criticize Trump, right? He can do no wrong. They, like I said, they can be on the verge of complete economic disasters and they will still support him because that's how tribalistic things have become. And it's pretty sick. But do you think Obama would have gotten away with that? Um, because, you know, it's funny. Someone was just talking about how Obama did nothing for the black community, but Donald Trump is doing everything for white people, right? And But could Obama actually do something for the black community without severe consequence? And I'm like, what more, con What? how worse could it have gotten for him? He, mm -hmm. They walked around constipated. They couldn't react to anything. That's such a good point. I mean, I remember Obama had said something about how Trayvon Martin looked like he could have been his son. Yeah. And the right wing lost it, right? Yep. And I feel like a strong leader would be like, damn right. He That's does right. look like he could be my son. And what? Do you think it's acceptable to shoot and kill a boy whose father lives in that very neighborhood to stalk him like a crazy madman? Like that that's what we need. We need strength. The thing about Trump that's been successful, his characteristic that I think has worked in his favor is that he doesn't apologize. Yep. Right? Even when he knows he's wrong, even when he knows he looks like a moron, he doesn't apologize. Whereas People on the left, politicians on the left, they will apologize the second they get even the slightest criticism. Yeah. And I can't stand that. Did you see that CNN interview? I, I'm totally ignorant to names, but it just happened yesterday. It was the black man that was talking to the white woman. Yes, was, yes. And then he fact-checked her on the on the show. I still think he should have gone harder on her, like because she still was trying to justify the lie. Right, uh, yes. So we talked about that on the show today. And what stood out to me the most was um, he fact-checked her on... Uh, a comment she made about Jay Johnson, who was the right. Secretary of Homeland Security under the Obama administration. She misrepresented Jay Johnson right. by saying that he was on CNN confirming that Obama had a similar policy to Trump, the zero tolerance policy separating children from their families. And so the CNN host said, no, that's not true. That is not what he said. Let's play the tape. So he plays the tape of what Jay Johnson actually said. And you know what this woman responded with? Oh, well, I don't have the article I read in front of me, but I know that it happened. So she just straight out rejected the evidence that was played right in front of her face. She didn't care. She yeah. doesn't, they don't care about evidence. They believe what they believe. And even when they're proven wrong, they will hold firm to their misleading, completely false, incorrect BS. And then they'll turn around and accuse everyone else of fake news. 
it's like a cult, mm-hmm. though. You know, we and 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 everybody keeps saying not everybody, but a lot of people keep saying it. They're not a constitu- constituency; they are a cult. And they that lady that they interviewed, they interviewed this older white woman about what was going on with immigration, and she started crying. They thought she was crying about the children, mm-hmm. and she was crying about Donald Trump. And she was like, "They treat him so bad. They're always calling him a liar. He's trying his best." And it's it seems like. Uh, those old videos of people talking about like Jimmy Swaggart and all those, you mm-hmm. know, ev- evangelists, it seems very cultish. Yeah, it's I, it lacks all logic and reason. And about 28 percent of Americans fall under that very depressing and concerning category. And I don't know what to do about it. I have no interest in trying to reason with them anymore or appeal to them because they're not reasonable people. But what we do need to do as as, you know, the opposition, I guess, is to really fight and stop stop having debates about whether or not it's acceptable to hassle someone in the Trump administration while they're having a meal. I'm done with that debate. Let's get over it. OK, let's move past it. We're not dealing with a normal administration. Uh, you know, if if this were happening under I don't know, a, a, a Republican, like John Kasich, for instance, right? John Kasich is the Republican president of the United States. I have a feeling that the situation wouldn't turn into what we have today. Right. I would not be okay with uncivil you know, behavior. But we're, again, in a different era. Trump is a very divisive person who's causing real pain and suffering while simultaneously jeopardizing our constitution. And it's unacceptable. So I'm done with being polite. We are all done with being polite here. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks.
are back and uh, so Anna was telling us about a story that they covered today about the black firefighter mm-hmm. and it just reminded me of I went on an audition and I went to uh, which one is it in in uh, not Disney but in Burbank Paramount no mm-hmm. not Paramount uh, Warner Brothers I go to audition for a TV show and I'm standing in line to get checked in and a, there's a white guy in front of me who's Canadian and they ask him for his ID mm-hmm. and he's like uh, the woman is like, where's your ID? And he said, I'm sorry, you know, I'm from Canada. I lost it. Blah, blah, blah. She lets him in. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and he was, he was really cute. So I understood. Mm-hmm. So when I, I didn't have my ID 
she asked me for my ID and I didn't have um, my driver's license, but I had a copy of it because my, my wallet got stolen. Mm. So every other studio that I had been in for that last week, they said they looked at a copy of it and they said it was fine. They can tell that it was a real ID. So she said no. So I had to go back to the car and she asked me for registration um, proof of insurance. What? She's like, and I, uh, do you have a Costco card? I need to see that too. So I went and got all of it because I wanted to get inside the studio. She wanted to see her Costco card. She saw the Costco card. Uh, the guy in front of me showed her nothing and went in. I had to give her my Costco card, proof of insurance. Um, thank God I had insurance and, uh, the registration of the car and my Costco card. And I was so humiliated. You know, I felt like, cause there was someone standing behind me and the girl behind me, a white girl, she was like, that's fucking ridiculous. But okay, so I don't understand why she needed to see your registration or your your insurance. Like is, do you have to drive a car for this TV show? What's the, what was the point of that? She, she said, I don't know who you are and I need proof. And I was like, you just let this guy in. And the girl was like, yeah, she's like, shh. I'm talking to her, she told the other girl. And then she was like, "You, I know who he is. And I'm like, you didn't know who he was. You know what you should have done? You should have pop, like popped your phone out and you'd be like, you're about to know who I am as well. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm enjoying these viral videos yeah. uh, that call people out in the middle. And I love how people try to hide, like as they're trying to call cops oh, on eight year old girls, right? Um, because... Look, on one hand, there's like, yes, the shaming aspect of it, but more importantly, it's making people realize that these are real issues that people deal with on a daily basis. Because I think that for far too long, people have been able to deny that it's been happening, right. either because they just genuinely want to deny it or because they're naive. Like, I think that there are well-intentioned people out there yeah. who have bought into this fantasy that's been sold about what America's really like. I know before I traveled out of the country, I genuinely thought like, yeah, America's the best country in the world. And yep. then I went to other countries and I was like, oh, America's not the best country in the world. And look, I think the idea of America is fantastic. I think it is the best thing, but we are not living up to that expectation, not even close. And if you look at study after study, you will find that America is not number one when it comes to education, not number one when it comes to healthcare, not number one when it comes to quality of life, not number one when it comes to happiness. And this is self-reporting, Americans saying, no, I'm not really that happy. Yeah. So no, we're not number one. Like, let's stop buying into this fantasy of, you know, this is the greatest country in the world. It's all jingoistic propaganda and we need to better really ourselves. Is. I went yeah. to Okinawa a few times and I saw happy people, mm -hmm. happy, healthy people. Um, elderly people that were treated like kings and queens uh, living their best best lives. And I came back here and I was like, I really thought about moving to Japan. Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe they did, you know, and I know that people see me and they know that I'm different, but I didn't feel hate. Mm -hmm. What I felt was curiosity, you know, interest, which is, it's okay. If you see somebody who's different than you and you want to know, you probably never saw you know, I'm tall or whatever. So I, I got it. I understood it, but I didn't feel hate. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel hate here now. And it's like, um, 
just even at at our comedy shows, you know, somebody posted a picture today. Marcella Arguello, a comedian, posted a picture of this guy who was really angry at her because she's a feminist and she was on stage. Mm-hmm. And somebody took a picture of how he folded his arms and was just he had this look on his face. He was just pissed. And it's like, what are you doing at a comedy show? What are you doing? Like, I go to a comedy show to enjoy myself and it's comedy. It's yeah. comedy. I mean, I just feel like I remember when I first started working at TYT, this is 07, 08. Um, we would talk about people that would get upset at comedy. Right? right. And and it was mostly at that time, people on the left that kind of wanted to police comedy. Right. And we didn't agree with it because it is an art form and it's a form of expression and I don't want to censor it, period. Right. Now, I, I think that there are examples where comedians broke out of the comedy aspect of what they were doing and actually went into real commentary. Yeah. You know, uh, I forget the name of the dude, but the, yeah, yeah. That guy who started like throwing the N word mm-hmm. around and all that, like at that point, he's not joking and it's very clear. Um, but if you, if you're going to get offended by people telling jokes, then don't go to a comedy show. Just yes. don't, whether you're on the right or the left, please listen. And, and the, and the left can be more toxic to comedy mm-hmm. than the right. Now the right, the right is just going to punch back at whatever makes them feel uncomfortable. But if you're making fun of people of different races and if you're making fun of gay people, they think you are a genius, you know, cause I, I get the, you know, my comedy is sarcastic. I'm, I'm, it's all satire for me. I make fun of everybody because I think that it levels the floor. It's like, everybody does this, you know, nobody's special. Nobody's better than anybody. We should all laugh at each other, but I'm being sarcastic. And after shows, people come up to me and they'll say, girl, I'm so glad you said that about gay people. Cause I feel the same way. Oh and I'm like, gosh. I don't feel that way about gay people. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's kind of funny. I think people forget what comedy is really supposed to be about. And um, I, I'm curious what you think about this because it was a little bit of a debate in our office. And I don't know. I, I want to know what you feel. So I loved Dave Chappelle's last Netflix special. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. I loved, you know, it was two episodes. And he's gotten a lot of heat for his jokes about the transgender community. Right. And I disagree with the criticism that he's getting. And I'm a huge proponent and supporter of the trans community. And I, you know, I will fight till, till the death, you know, to, to make sure that they have the equal protections and equal treatment. Um, But I don't like policing comedy. And I want to know what you think about it. Well, I think that the minute I start to agree with those who want to censor comics, then I got to, I have to turn in my mic Mm -hmm. because on any given day, Sometimes I want to go far to talk about things that make people uncomfortable. When you're talking about groups like the transgender community, which is foreign to some people, they, you know, they talk about transgender people like they come from Mars and Mm -hmm. they don't know what it is. Sometimes a joke is the only education that they're ever going to get on that group of people. Mm -hmm. And for me, I don't believe that it's okay to censor comics or edit them. I think that whatever you say comes with its set of circumstances yes. and, and consequences, right? So if you say the wrong thing or and it comes from the wrong place, you're going to deal with the backlash. You're going to deal with the consequences. But I do think you have the right to say it. What I do think also on the other side that what makes it problematic is that there is no transgender comedian that has the same type of platform and power that Dave Chappelle to like. Yeah refute what he's saying 
But that's the case with all marginalized groups. And the fact that we have two black men that are in the in the biggest place of comedy doesn't undo the fact that Jerry Seinfeld is still the king of comedy. And mm-hmm. that is such a we have such a, a ways to go. So when when people say, you know, Dave Chappelle said this and said that, I listen to comedy, a lot of comedy, mm-hmm. and I listen to comedy that was before Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. And there were so many comedians that were making fun of people of color, reinforcing stereotypes in the name of comedy, who nobody ever policed. And to sit here now and tell Dave Chappelle that he can't tell a joke about whatever he wants, his point of view is, whatever he wants to say, it's just, it it goes against what I believe in. Yeah. Because if that's the case, then you got to put all of Lenny Bruce's albums off. Yeah. Back, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that the left um, starts losing uh, support and losing people when they get into the habit of policing certain forms of expression. Yeah. And I, I really want us to like just think about that uh, before we move forward. I think about the kinds of topics that we discussed on the show before Trump became president. And I actually have a little bit of remorse um, right. about it. You know, just like this hypersensitive commentary that I would put out there that I wish didn't take up as much showtime as it did. Because while we were focusing on that, I think that there were real issues, like deeper systemic mm-hmm. issues that we could have focused on. Um, and we did, we did. But I think that, you know, focusing on um, Twitter outrage, you know, those stories unfortunately made us lose some people. And now I think back at it and I have a little bit of regret. Well, you know, the good thing about you guys is that you don't have a problem saying stuff like this out loud. Mm-hmm. You evolve and you grow. And that's what happens when you when you're a part of a movement, you know, like you guys are not like a, a network. You're a part of a movement there. You guys are part of the people, the part of the group of the people that want to make a change in this country for the better. And there that speaks to making mistakes, you know. Yeah. But when I because I remember being on when I first was on the Young Turks, I was on a show with Hannah. Uh-huh. And Hannah said we were talking about this teacher who used the N word mm-hmm. in um, Baltimore, and she, I, Hannah was really funny to me because I would, when I met her, she was like, "Hey, how you doing?" And then she would get on and she'd be like, "Oh, well, and then she'd become this whole uh-huh. like caricature of a person, and I thought it was so funny because I looked at her and I said, "She's young." You know, like I always, I always try, I never, ever, I have a policy that I've embedded within my, myself that I never judge somebody's journey because it doesn't look like mine. Mm-hmm. I never, in, I, it doesn't become invalid because it, I don't care if you come from Bel Air and you have the best education or you grew up rich, everybody has a struggle. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't look like mine, it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. So I just, I always would have to go to that place when I'm around those people, but she went and said, she went on this whole like thing about how that teacher should have been fired. And she was mm-hmm. like, she needs to get fired immediately. And I was like, no, she needs to go get educated. Yeah. And sensitivity training, because if she gets fired, that classroom with all those black kids in Baltimore is not going to have a teacher. Yeah. And then those are the kids that are going to suffer. She was driving through the hood to go to that class. And I, she was trying to say, you don't want to be considered what the N word is considered, which. Oh, I remember that remember, story. It was like the best thing for her to say, but she was trying to speak in a language that they would understand. Right. Yeah. And and I think that 
Another thing that I'm trying to be better at is understanding people's intentions and yeah. not and not advocating for their lives to be destroyed because yes. they've made a mistake because we've all made mistakes, right? right. Um, I started doing work on air with TYT when I was 20. There's 10 years, 11 years of super embarrassing stuff that I've said. I'm not the same person today uh, compared to who I was, you know, when I was 20, obviously, thankfully. Right. Um, so I, I totally agree with you. I think that people have the ability to change for the better um, yeah. and evolve for the better. And so let's stop demanding that people get fired unless honestly they deserve to be fired. So, right. you know, you want to go to a neo-Nazi march and be part of a, a so-called movement that murders someone by running them over, then you deserve to get fired. I have yeah. no sympathy for them whatsoever. So all those Charlottesville marchers, you know, who got fired, there was no, there. Were, I didn't shed a tear over that. No, and they got arrested. And mm -hmm. So what I was going to say was that as a person of color who belongs to the more marginalized groups as a woman, sometimes the left makes me feel a little bit nervous because I think sometimes it's condescending, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want, I don't need you to patronize me. I need you to see me and understand what I'm going through, but I also need to be empowered. I don't need someone, you know, to speak on my behalf. I can speak on my behalf. And I think that that's what I was feeling when we had that conversation. And, and I thought there needs to be some dialogue about that because I think when people like when Tracy Morgan said what he said about his son, that if, uh, if he found out his son was gay he wanted to beat him up or whatever it was. Yeah. It, the joke was not indicative of who Tracy Morgan is as a person, but a reflection of a culture that we all grew up in. Cause my, my dad always made homophobic comments and threatened my brothers. And there was a violent, you know, hateful tone behind his speaking about homosexuality mm -hmm. that I thought was very problematic. And we were never going to admit that. And so now that, People are afraid to talk about that stuff because they'll say, you know, Tracy Morgan was on NBC and he mm -hmm. almost lost his job. He had to apologize for his joke. And it's just become that. I totally forgot about that Tracy Morgan thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that it's uh, it's important to bring up the generations before the generation that raised us. And I got called out by that, actually, because, um, you know, I was debating with my husband and there's, I love his family. There's only one family member that I, I have a difficult time with, a very difficult time with. And so, you know, we weren't fighting or anything, but we were kind of having a debate about it. And then he mentioned one of my family members who also says um, some questionable things. And I realized, oh my God, I'm so used to that. And it's become so normalized in my life. Of course, I disagree with all of it but it's become so normalized that I'm quick to pass judgment on someone else, mm -hmm. a member of his family, without really reflecting on this member of my family. And so that really opened my eyes. And I think it is important to hear people's stories and understand you know, the environments that they grew up in. And, and it just gives you better insight into how people think and why they think the things they do. Because I think that the, especially when it comes to the gay community, like, it feels like their rights, it was night and day. It took like about five years, right? They had no rights and then the movement was super aggressive and within five years, boom, you know, they don't have all the rights yet, right. but things got a lot better for the gay community and we forget about that. Just 
15 years ago, they didn't have the kind of, um, or didn't get the kind of tolerance that they get now. And so it's important to remember that and, and how much things have changed. And by the way, we need to still improve. Yeah. And, and you know, it's tolerance and fear. Yes. People are scared to be outed mm-hmm. for being bigots. And, and I think that's good. I think you should be, you should be afraid. You should be embarrassed to walk around thinking ignorant stuff like that and then getting offended when when it's when you feel it on yourself you right, know what i mean right so one of the things that i feel that you do when you're on your show is you you break down things jank speaks in a way sometimes that um i'm like okay jank i'm going to listen to anna when really anna yeah i know and he does it too like in a way i love i love the contrast the guys mm-hmm. cuz you get really passionate like when Maytha's on the show, mm-hmm. she gets very, very cerebral. She's very intellectual, very extensive vocabulary. But there are people who watch who don't have that level of education. They don't have that grasp on a vocabulary. And I want them to understand what's going on because that's the way we turn the table over. Is right. We need everybody. We can't just have the brainiacs and the college grads. There are a lot of people who go to work but are worried about their, their health care and their, how do you, how do you motivate people? Like, I want you to just, the Anna Cliff notes, I want you to explain to the people who are listening how important it is to vote in local elections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's important because when it comes to the policies that really affect you and your day-to-day life, um, it's, it's the local politicians that implement those policies. Now, on a federal level, especially during the Trump administration, I know that everyone's feeling uh, what policies feel like or, or how they affect people's lives when they're passed down um, from a federal level. But you have to get involved. Look, it, yes, you have to get involved in local po- uh, politics and you have to vote in local elections. That is incredibly important. But it's also super important. Uh, to get involved in the primaries during the congressional elections, so the midterms are coming up, and also, very importantly, in the general election. Right. So here's my, here's, here's my beef with the Democratic Party right now. During the primaries, you have two front runners, right? Democratic par- primaries I'm talking about. You have Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. People are still angry yep. because we supported Bernie Sanders and still do, Right. So we're in no man's land because people were angry at us for supporting Sanders over Hillary. But once Hillary won the nomination, like, what are we going to do? We're going to endorse Trump. We're going to, I didn't want to endorse Jill Stein. I didn't agree with some of her politics. I didn't think that they were well thought out. I'm a policy, you know, fiend. Like I look into it more than anything else. I actually hate the horse race. I love the policy proposals. Didn't agree with Jill Stein. I agreed with Hillary on some things. She was the best candidate in my eyes in a pretty terrible election, right. but I didn't like her. I, she was just the best option at that time. So then I've, I decide, all right, I'm going to support Hillary Clinton. People who supported Bernie Sanders started like hating on me right. and, and Jank for endorsing Hillary Clinton at that point. It was just a frustrating situation. And so we were pretty much hated by everyone. Right. I mean, the Republicans hate us. Um, some Sanders supporters hate us. A lot of Hillary supporters hate us, like establishment Democrats hate us. But you got to stay true to what you believe. And the most important thing in the world is electing the right person or voting for the right person in the primary. So you don't have to choose the lesser of two evils. Yeah. 
And, and specifically for people of color, mm-hmm. I, I always tell them it's so important to vote in local elections because when you talk about our issues with law enforcement, yeah, that is where those politicians are, the ones that directly affect you and your community. Yeah. I mean, there are sheriffs, by the way, that um, sheriffs get elected um, in, in most cases, I believe. Um, sometimes, a lot of times, actually, they go unopposed. Like, no, no. And it's not just about voting. There are a lot of smart Americans out there who can do a way better job at representing their local communities. Go out there and run. Right. It really it's 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 scary and it's also challenging if you have no name recognition. But you got to fight. We got to fight. We we can't let these people go unopposed. So get involved by voting and running. I feel um Yes. Uh, you don't understand. Like I got so passionate about these local elections because I, I, I hear a lot of complaints. People DM me. They send me all these messages. And I'm like, well, did you vote? Mm-hmm. And then they oh, I didn't know. And I'm like, you have to. That's that's those are the people. Those are the DAs. Those are the people that are, you know, Trayvon Martin. That lady's out of there. The guy who the that let the rapist go. In, yeah. You know, up north. Those are the people that you got to get out of there. All right. Anna, we got to go. Aw. I love you, though. Can you tell people about uh, No Filter? Because I'm excited about it. Yes, yes. So uh, No Filter, it's a weekly half-hour show. You guys can um, subscribe uh, for YouTube TV. But if you don't want to pay for the service, uh, you can get the audio podcast version for free at iTunes. Just... uh, just search for hashtag no filter with my name, Anna Kasparian. It'll pop up and it's it's easy listening. And they can catch you on TYT. <laughs> yes. Uh, YouTube.com slash TYT or TYTnetwork.com. And you have to uh, you have to catch the shows. You should go back and see some of the other shows and the videos that go viral when Anna goes off. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> and Ida's on the show quite a bit, which I love. It's, it's always my favorite thing about you, Ida, is that you will say it for me. You know what I mean? And and you're very you're strong. And it, there's something I don't know. I feed off that. You know, there aren't a lot of women who feel comfortable talking about po- politics the way you do and social issues the way you do. And I feel like having you there helps. It, I feed off of it and I love it. Oh, my, my boyfriend is always making fun of me because he's like, you and Anna have this love fest going. And I'm like, because <laughs> yeah. you guys are not used to women celebrating. And, you know, like I, I become friends with Ravine and I mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, it, it's important. But I always leave there knowing something because she's so well informed. <laughs> and I you. leave there and I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even I didn't know that. Like now I know something else. And it, it feels like um, we should all be passionate about politics. It's not something that's just for people who went to Harvard. It affects your daily life. Yes. And you should care about it and know as much as you can about it, you know? And so I love going there with you guys because then I, I leave there and I'm like, I know a little bit more about what I needed to know. This is affecting my everyday life. And if we don't wake up, we will perish. Yeah, absolutely. Democracy is a fragile thing. So let's protect it. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming in. I love thank you. Thank you. I love you. I had and so much fun. Make sure you listen to her podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we are out. We just want to